Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Christian Hislop, right? Is that correct? That's correct. And Christian is one of the people that organized the Freihafters Run, which took place on Saturday, um, this past Saturday, two Saturdays ago. And uh, Christian is here to talk about it. So last year there was no Freihafters Run. It was, like, done virtually, right? Right. So we didn't want to cancel the event because there are four women who, as of this past Saturday, have completed 43 Freihafters Run for Women out of 43. So we went virtual, which just meant that people signed up. They um, did their 3.1 miles on their own over the course of a week, and then their shirts mm-hmm. and medals were mailed to them. And so was that a success? How many people signed up for that? It actually really was a success. When we were planning the the 2020 version of the Freihoffers Run for Women, we started off with registering people for in-person because, you know, we opened registration before COVID really hit the shores of the United States. And so Mm -hmm. by the time the decision was made in April to switch it to virtual, we had, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people signed up. So when we switched it over, the majority of them said, yes, I'll switch to a virtual event. And then we had some more sign on. And, of course, we had some people who said, no, I'm not interested. Um, and we did give them a refund on that. And um, so we had we had a great attendance for it. But I also believe that that was because it was literally one of the first events that went virtual. So people were not tired of, you know, virtual runs at that point in time. They really hadn't had, it, had them yet. So there's a lot of races across the country. Are they all starting to come back like the Freihafers race did this year? You know, I think that's one of the things that's it's a little bit sad and it's going to be a challenge going forward. There were there, the bigger races like Freihafers are all coming back at about 50% of normal population attending, um, which is exactly what we experienced. The people that are, or the, entities that are really getting hurt are those nonprofits that had smaller 5Ks that were really fundraisers. And because they couldn't hold it for a year, you know, that that had a big impact on them and their ability to, you know, raise money and things like that. So, you know, I, I see the races all starting to come back, but I think that's one area that will be hit a little bit harder because it's it's a lot of work to put on an event. Um and so, you know, they're going to do it when the runners are really back. If the runners aren't fully back, it's a challenge and it's a ton of work to put on an event and not have as many people as you might have in the past. So percentage-wise, how many people this year compared to other events? I remember, you know, when it was held on Madison Avenue, there was like over five. 5,000 women. So I see by the newspaper it kind of dwindled this year. How many women well, participated? Yeah, I mean, 2015 was the, the highest, and it was actually 3,500 
finishers that year. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've been kind of averaging about 2,600 uh, finishers for the past few years. And so we were just over, we were 1,224. So, and then if you add in the fact that we had 300 running virtually, we were just over that 50% mark of um, participants. So, you know, I feel like we were right in line with what's going on um, in other parts of the country with other, you know, well-known uh, road races. So um, the running boom really hit, uh, you know, well, I guess it was really 2013 was that high point. Um, and, and it has tapered off a little bit. My hope is that as we come out of COVID, those people that started exercising and started walking and running in COVID will look to say, okay, maybe I will do an event because I think what uh, uh, an event like the Firefighters Run for Women, people will realize if they actually go watch it, that it's all about any woman, any speed being out there and participating because we do have a lot of walkers um, and we have runners and we have super fast runners, but we, it's open and, and available to everyone. So are there people who, are there women who walk it? Absolutely, every year. There are people who walk it. There are people who run walk it. So they, you know, they run 30 seconds, walk 30 seconds, and they alternate that. You know, and then, of course, we have the people who run it super fast. And we started a new tradition this year. Go ahead. We did a new tradition, and we started the greatest endurance celebration. And so oh. the, the last people coming over the line got special wine tumblers as they came across. Because, you know, it, their, their effort is as much as the effort of the people crossing the line first. I mean, everybody, everybody does the best that they can do on the day. And that's what's so fun and exciting about the event, because you see a lot of emotions coming across the finish line. And it's not just the first people it's it's the middle it's the end it's you know it's an accomplishment um and it's a super empowering event for women so that's what makes it really special you know it used to be on uh, the starting and ending used to be on madison and i live right off of madison and to me it was so thrilling to go out there and see thousands of women participate in that race. But now that it's held on Washington Avenue, uh, I hate to say it, but the thrill is gone for me. Will you ever go back to doing it at at Madison again? You know, Madison Avenue, yeah, it was nice. It was kind of cool being under the the, uh, overpass at the um, museum. The reason it moved was because there was all the construction on the steps there. So there was no way to get people up onto the plaza and, you know, safety-wise it wouldn't have been a good idea to put on a race with Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of trapped on Madison that year. The downsides of the Madison Avenue course were is a steeper hill going up and narrow on Madison and cobblestones in places. So from, from a safety standpoint, the Washington Avenue, we have a much wider road and we have that wide road the whole way and it's not quite as steep. So for athletes, it's a better course because, you know, they're not coming down the hill. I mean, the women who are in first place are coming down at a very fast clip. Like fast enough, they come across the line and people better get out of the way because you can't stop. You're going that fast. 
the, right. the safety-wise, I mean, Washington Avenue is, is actually a nicer course. And it's yeah. kind of nice okay. being in the parks there, too, because we have parks on either side. So okay. yeah, it's just a different feel. Yeah. Now, um, how many years has uh, the Fry Hoppers run been in existence? 43. Wow. Was yep, the, in nineteen seventy nine was an all women's um three point two three point one um race unique. Uh, there was one other that um was in it was called the New York City Mini Marathon, and for a long time it was sponsored by Legs, which I don't know if you remember those stockings in an egg. Oh yeah. So they sponsored it, and it was a 10k. So that actually that race started before the Fryhoffers, but those were really the two first all women's events, and then you know a few others came came into being, and then there was a dance and triathlon series and. And a lot of the women's events have kind of ebbed and flowed. Um, so, you know, the fact that both the New York City and the and the Fryhoffers are around still, you know, is a real testament to uh, to race organization. And and of course, Fryhoffers is a sponsor because they've been with the event for forty three years. Right. So, from the first event until now, how many exclusive women's races are there in the country. Do you have any idea? I mean, you mean right now in 2021? Yes. There's probably, my guess is, I mean, I go and research it every once in a while, and my guess is of of decent-sized ones, not like a, a community one, you know, probably less than 20. Really? Yeah. So, so that's why a lot of the women who are who are, you know, the quick athletes love it because this is a race where they get to start and there's nobody in front of them. They have a clear road. They can, you know, do their own strategy. They're racing against women. Um and so so it's it's a it's a great venue for them. Um and I we just received an email from one of the elite women who ran and just, you know, said she just had a fantastic time and even when we had the, it was the international race and the women would come over from Africa, they always said that it was amazing that the roads were shut down for women to run because that was something that wouldn't happen in their native country. Um, so I think there are a lot of aspects of this race that, that have really empowered women over the years, but we're not done meeting mm-hmm. that. We still meet all women events. Right. So, um, it, when it first started, it was more or less a local race. So, how soon after 1979 did it catch on where women from all over the country came? Well, and that was something, you know, credit to, to George Regan that um, he he was involved with USA Track and Field, which is the governing body of the sport. And he started building the race and building um, and bringing in, you know, national-level women and making it a national championship and then a IAAF silver label race. And 
you know, really focusing on bringing people in from from other places to uh, increase the visibility of it. So, I mean, as, like anything, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time to build a race and right. build a reputation. Um, and but then what's it so became... unique now is... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, now it's, it's you know, there is such a reputation, and especially in this area, that we have um, in, in this this go-around, we didn't last go-around, we had um, a couple of teams that were great-grandmother, grandmother, mother-daughter. This time we had grandmother, mother-daughter teams, you know. But that just says, like, when you can get three or four generations running an event, that only happens mm-hmm. when the oldest generation has run the event before. Because otherwise you're t- probably not going to, con- you know, be able to convince a lot of 86-year-olds to get out and do a 5K. But, you know, if they did that, you know, when they were in their 40s, well, you know what? There's a good chance they're going to do it. And especially if they can, sh- you know, share it with a grandchild or a great-grandchild. And our oldest runner what? this time was Ani Stockman, 89. I was just going to ask, what was who was the oldest um, runner? Eighty nine years old. That's amazing. How well did she do? She did great. I don't remember what her time was. Um, she did great, and of course, she had you know the paparazzi following her and uh, getting great photographs of her coming across the finish line. But that's what's mm-hmm. so unique about the event, right? You can have those. I mean, we have have to have an awards category for um, 85 to 89, and, you know, and that next year we're going to have to have 90-plus. Um, and I agree really? at the lower end, too, because it's just there's more and more girls that are starting to run that are, you know, eight and nine, and and sometimes we get the seven-year-olds, and they're able to do 3.1 miles, so they come out. And, again, some of them are doing it as a run-walk. They're with their friends having fun, and others are really chugging along there. So, you know, it, and that's what's so fun about the event, right? There are very few events that you can go to where you've got an 8-year-old and an 89-year-old, and they're doing the same thing. So there's no age limitations, right? You could be as old or young as possible to qualify for Frank Hoppe's run. Well, we did have a four-year-old entered in the in the 5K, and I was about to call her mother and say, are you sure she can make it? Because we don't allow strollers just because of the size. Um, and they decided Boy. to do it virtually instead. But she said, no, her daughter could do it. So, you know, and that's up to a parent if, if they do. But most of the time, it's about seven is the earliest that you're going to have a, um, an athlete doing a 5K. Really, at that age, you know, the junior 3K is the appropriate distance, which is 1.86 miles. Wow. So I'm intrigued by the lady who was 89. Do you remember what her time was? That's truly amazing. It is amazing. And um, and she has raced for many, many years. And so she's uh, she's actually had records and... Uh, age group records and stuff because of being able, you know, the just the longevity that she has. So I'm going to go in and cut, tell you exactly what her time was. Okay. So she did it in um, 49.04, 49.04. Wow. 
49 minutes and 4 seconds. Oh, that's great. That's great. Of course, she came in now, first in her age group, too. <laughs> say that again. I'm sorry. She Well, she came in first in her age group. Okay. Was she the only one in her age group? No, no. There were a couple more. No, we had a couple of Oh, okay. Girls. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's... It, they're getting older as we go. I mean, our our one of our big our bigger age groups still. It's it's fairly you know smooth in numbers across, but fifty fifty four fifty five fifty nine. Those are big age groups. So and and now it's getting to the point where you know those the sixty sixty five is not decreasing in size. So these women that have done this, they're kind of sticking with it, um, which is awesome from a health perspective. Mhm. Um so from and then you know it was opened up to an international meet. And then it was closed to an international meet. Why did that happen? Well, it was just felt for a while that um that you know it is on US soil. I mean honestly, Fryhoffers is a regional brand. It's in the northeast. And okay. so, you know, I mean, in, inviting um, athletes in from from Africa, is, it's not going to sell bread in Africa. Um, so from a sponsor standpoint, it makes sense to really highlight, you know, women that are running here. And we had looked at bringing back the national championship um, as a USA event. So the decision was made just like let's let's focus on the talent and support the talent that we have in the United States and bring that up another level because for most um women runners they're not big prize purses you don't you don't make a living off of running professionally and mm-hmm. so you know it's nice for an event to be able to support these women in in their endeavor to do what they love to do um and so why not focus on, on U.S. women? And so that was a very good response from the athletes to that. So do you think COVID curtailed a lot of um, people from saying, I'm going to do this? I think, you know, to a certain extent, yes, there were people who said, I'm just not ready to go out and, and be in a group. Um, I think from the people that attended, they felt very comfortable. Um, there was a lot of space in the when, at the start line when we set people up. People really were staying apart, which was nice. It wasn't even having to ask them to do that. They just did it. But I do think, well, and I also think it was, it's interesting in speaking with some people that there are a lot of people that spent a lot of time running and walking during COVID because that was all they could do. And they got a little burned out on it. <laughs> so, and then you have the competitive people who, you know, they spent a lot of time running during COVID and they weren't racing at all. So to come back to the racing scene, it's, if you don't race on a regular basis, you, you it's like anything, you kind of need practice. So there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that fear factor of coming back. Like, am I going to race well? Am I going to do the time I think I should do? You know, so I think people are starting to come back to it, and um, and it's just going to keep building. You know, and especially as people see, like, wow, Fryhoffers went off, and it, and it went really well, and, uh, you know, okay, I, I'm going to sign up for the next one, and I'm going to be there. 
Okay. So you anticipate Freihoffer's uh, race going on for quite into the future. Would you say that's accurate? I, my, I mean, I'm already thinking about the 50th, right? We're, I mean, come June 4th, we're going to be at the 44th. The 50th is not that far off, so we got to oh, start wow. planning for that celebration. So, yeah, yeah, we're looking ahead. So what do you envision for, you know, 50 years doing a race is amazing. What kind of celebration do you envision? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you know, we. I think it'll it'll be you know obviously the five k, but I think we'll we'll come up with some unique things to do around that. Um, you know, to 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 make it that extra level of special, so that people say, well, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of a fiftieth anniversary celebration. Because it will be wow. unique. There aren't that many races that that have that kind of longevity. And then to think, you know, how many how many women can we have who've, who've got these streaks? And we'll look at certainly a lot more of the streaks that people have of, you know, how many races they've done in a row or how many how many of the Freihoffers run for women they've done, you know, and, and celebrate all that. So what was the winning time? Uh, the winning time this year was Ashlyn Cuff. And she ran the course in uh, 16.34. That's great. Yeah. 16 minutes. Yeah, 16 minutes and 34 seconds. When the women from Kenya and the other African countries were in the race, what was their time? I mean, they looked like... They were amazing how little they were, how fast they ran. What was their average time? They were anywhere. Do you remember? The record, yeah, the course records um, on that, this course is 15.13. So they were, you know, anywhere from usually more like 15.30 to, to 16. So, okay. I mean, you know, it was – Ashling is, is a little bit slower than that, but certainly – quite admirable pace and she actually has run a 15 11 um 5k in college she ran at stanford wow so yeah to 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 qualify for well do do a lot of the women the elite athletes i want to say do they do like half and full marathons rather than the 3.1? So that was actually interesting for this event. Um, yes. So Ashling does tend to go a little bit shorter. Um, but quite a few of the other women um, are marathoners. So like Carrie Allen, who came in fifth, she's training for a marathon. Karen Bertasso-Hughes came in sixth. She's training for a marathon. Um, so a lot of the women do, they do tend to go, um, longer, which is, you know, it's kind of a testament to them because to be able to go what is a relatively short 3.1 miles versus 26.2, but to be able to race them both well, that's, that's some athletic prowess. 
So tell tell our our listeners a little a little bit about you. You you do coaching stuff, right? I do. Yeah. So I, it's funny because I as a kid I swam and then I swam through college, and I thought I wanted to get into sports and event management, but I had a government economics degree from Hamilton, so I ended up at the Federal Reserve Bank. But I went back to grad school and kept pursuing that concept and it took a few years, but I finally got into it. Um, and so I do. I coach triathletes and runners and then, um, you know, teach classes at a variety of places that I'm on a number of boards, including USA Track and Field and USA Swimming and uh, on the USA Triathlon Women's Committee. But uh, But then also putting on... Um, the Freedom Mile and the Freihoffers Run for Women. So, so it's really fun and it's it's extremely rewarding because I get to be in a position where I'm working with people to understand their potential. And my coaching motto is "Do believe, achieve," because I think you've got to get out there. You have to start. You have to just try it. And once you start to believe in yourself, then that's when the magic happens. And you know, you see that in an event like the Fryhoppers of just people who are like, okay, I'm going to sign up for the training challenge. And we always say I have amazing mentors who, who work on the program. And, it's, you know, there is no such word as that word of can't. It's I can, I will, I try. Um, and we get people past that feeling that, that they're not good enough or it's too hard for them or, you know, and it's, you know, getting that positive mindset going. Then all of a sudden they start doing one workout after another and it gets a little bit easier and then they get hit with a hard workout, but they make it through and then another hard workout and they make it through that one. So by the time they get to the event, it's just, you know, they blow themselves away. And I think that's, it's, I feel very, very lucky that I get to you know, work with a variety of different people, men and women in the coaching and have that experience with each of them. Well, so uh Kristen I I will be uh contacting you next year so that we can talk about the Freihoffers Race for Women again. You've been listening to Kristen Hislop. I'm sorry. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Yeah. I'm Cynthia, I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And for those who listen to the radio, I'm on WCAA 107.3 FM on your dial, uh, 9.30 every uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays. And if you're not in the Albany area, we stream live. Uh, So, Kristen, good luck. We'll talk again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful day.